Well, thank you, Miriam, and uh, that is a perfect lead into our sermon. I said thank you to Miriam. <laughs> it's a perfect lead into our sermon today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. If you want to find that or listen along on the screens, we're really going to be talking about new life today. And so that was a wonderful illustration, and the stories and testimonies are so encouraging to me. I hope they're encouraging to you as well, what's going on down there with our program and all the people that are getting help because of the support of this church and our team down there. So just so thankful for that. Okay, I'm going to pray and then we'll go to the text. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us in this time, Lord, to open us up to what you would want to say so that we can hear you. Lord, we believe that your words have life, um, that they can sustain us, that they can energize us, and they can help us uh, to endure difficulties and struggles. And so we pray that you would do that work through your word this morning in this text from Romans 8. Um, These are your words, Lord, and so I pray uh, that you would do your work through them. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be in the first four verses. Um, I just believe in the season uh, of the church that we are in, that a slow reading of the text is very important right now for us as we just kind of meditate on God's word and let it heal and nourish us. And so that's what we'll be doing, just a slow reading through Romans chapter 8, and there is so much goodness and uh, wonderful truth in this, so I hope it blesses you. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to to the Spirit. Now, this letter, like so many Pauline letters, is really written to help a church get along. Um, In this case, it is the Jewish believers, the first Jewish believers from Jerusalem, um, and those that uh, were in the Rome at that time, and also the Gentiles, where the gospel was spreading. And so Paul had planted a church and he had brought these two communities together. Then he needed to leave in order to plant other churches and to do ministry in other places. And in that time, there grew uh, conflict, culture clashes that were taking place between uh, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And so he's writing this letter. In fact, the first seven chapters are really helping this church to narrow what is most important and to help heal and to find unity. Um, But as we turn to 
Romans chapter 8, there's kind of a turn from theology and helping uh, work out how uh, Jesus' theology and teaching would uh, be the centerpiece of the church, help these two communities come together, to a vision for what is possible uh, for each and every person in the church in Rome and for every Christian believer. And that really goes to what Miriam was talking about, that what Paul is going to teach us about now is a new humanity made possible in Christ Jesus. And so that's why we see this first line here uh, in, in verse 1. We see at the end there it says, in Christ Jesus. And this was a massive theme for Paul in many of his letters. In fact, 164 times Paul uses this phrase, in Christ Jesus. And so the question that I want to ask this morning is, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus in this season of strange new beginnings? One of the ways that I've been thinking about this is I've been exploring and thinking about that question that's presented from Romans 1. Is, uh, is answered, I think, really beautifully. Uh, and maybe it could be an image for you as you really think about what does it mean to be in Christ? How do I actually be in Christ? How do I practically in my daily life experience being in Christ? And one of the ways uh, that Galatians 3.27 reminds us of that is with this image that I want to use. It says this, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. One of the things about starting a new school year is that you start thinking about getting new clothes. In fact, my wife got me this shirt today as a nice uh, illustration for you of new clothes. And uh, our, our uh, two kids just started this week going back to school. And our little one, Glory, had her very first day of preschool. And it's really interesting watching a child number two go to school because it was very different than child number one who had no example. Well, little Glory Rose has been in the carpool dropping off her brother at school for the last year or so, and so she's been watching and waiting, and she's getting ready for her time to go to school. And so as we were getting ready over the last few weeks, we were doing all this planning, and she wanted to join with us in the planning. She wanted to pack her lunch, and she was so excited that she was getting her teacher, and she got to go to her school. And so it was all beginning for her, this new season of life and this new change. And of course, the most essential part of that is what's she going to wear on the first day. And so... Katie did a wonderful job of getting her this beautiful dress, and it was like this big, long dress. And not too long ago, I remember how little Glory was just like Sienna, who we just saw. This little itty-bitty thing. That was not that long ago. Just three years, and all of a sudden, I'm looking 
at this little girl, this little grown-up in her dress with her backpack on, and she's off to go to school. And uh, I wasn't there, but Katie reported that as she went off into school, with no problem whatsoever, Remy was there to comment and say, oh, she's so brave. (laughs) (laughs) And these are the, the ways in which we can just come with an image of newness, right? Um, There's something about clothes that gets us thinking about being made new. And maybe you had that growing up as well. I can think about all the ways I was going to be so new in junior high every year. If I just got the right clothes this year, I can have the new image just be a little cooler and, you know, whatever it is. But, of course, it never worked out. But as you go into a new season, there's a sense that you need to have the right clothes for the season. And I think that's important as we think about seasons because one of the things we can do is dress for the wrong season, right? Uh, I remember a friend that I had in high school who was a total surfer dude, wore shorts every day like the rest of us did pretty much. And then he got into school at Michigan State and he didn't own a pair of pants. And so he went off to Michigan State, and he committed himself to keeping his Southern California identity, even in Michigan State. Well, he didn't make it that long until he hit that real cold winter. Some of you may know about, I don't. (laughs) But eventually, he had to give up and get the right clothes for the right season. And, And so for us as Christians, as we think about being in Christ... And we think about teachings like Ecclesiastes, um, which I think we can lose if we're not careful. This teaching that there is a time for everything under the sun, that there, uh, for everything there is a season. And, And in that, we must think, okay, so if there are different kinds of seasons, it's not always up and to the right, right? Always a harvest season, always a success driven season, that there are actually different seasons within the life of every believer, um, within the life of the church, and all of those things are so important for us to be able to discern so that we know which clothes to put on. And I would make the case, and I'm getting this from uh, Pete Scazzaro, who we mentioned last week as well, Um, I share this uh, in agreement with him that we are in a season of winter. And it feels almost like a perpetual winter. Some of the indicators of the season of winter are that it's a clarifying season, meaning that uh, the trees uh, go barren, the landscape becomes bleak. And so there's a lot that becomes clarified. You can see clearly, you can see far But the difficulty of the winter season is that there's no real external signs of life. There's nothing out there that says just in the the physical mind's eye, hey, there's some fruit, there's some goodness. We can't see any of that in the current landscape. And I think, you know, for pastors, this really manifests itself two Easter's ago when we came to the realization that there wasn't going to be Easter because... That's like saying, hey, you're not going to have the spring season, this harvest season. You're going to have to keep going through winter. 
And so maybe you can relate to that in your own life. There's a way in which this is a season where we're seeing things uh, with a lot of clarity, but we're also not seeing a lot of signs of external hope. And one of the things we have to remember in a season like that is that even though we can't see external signs of hope, that in the season of winter, what has happened is that life has gone underground. And that, in fact, God may be doing some of his most significant deepening work in the winter season, even though we can't see it externally. One way we could exemplify that in Scripture is to call Good Friday a winter season, uh, a season where there's no external signs of life, where Jesus was on the cross, and there was a way in which all hope had seemingly left. And it was clarifying because there was no more doubt in anyone's mind how tragic when human beings are at their worst, things can get. When Jesus was on the cross, it became very obvious that the one who embodied in, uh, compassion and love for all people, was now being put to death. And so it was an exposing, it was a clarifying moment of what can happen if human beings are given over to what, in this text, uh, Paul is describing as the human flesh. The flesh. Just the way we would operate on our own with no help from the Spirit of God. And so in this winter season... I want to invite you to clothe yourselves in Christ with the things that you will need. The first thing that I think you will need is found in verse 1 of this text, where it says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is Paul confronting shame. And when we don't have external signs of success in, in our life, one of the things that can happen is that we can start to feel overwhelmed and start to feel like we are not enough. Like we, in ourselves, aren't capable of controlling or doing things that could prevent bad things from happening. And so we begin to escalate this sense that we are not enough and maybe we try and strive beyond our limits or maybe we escalate into uh, despair or maybe you could uh, imagine putting on the bomber jacket of anger in your own flesh or the snuggy blanket of darkness and despair or maybe you can oscillate between these two types of clothing that you're putting on each and every day in order to get through the emotions, the difficult emotions that are presented in a winter season. But there's a new invitation, right, in this text. In fact, you could maybe even imagine in your mind's eye going up into heaven's closet, and there Jesus is inviting you to put on the clothes of heaven. Would you put these clothes on for this difficult season? And Paul says one of those is that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 
meaning that you can clothe yourself with the grace of Christ Jesus. I love the way that Isaiah presents this in Isaiah 61.10. He says this, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom wears a priestly headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And so, if we're experiencing this sense like we're not enough, if we hear that lie, then may we clothe ourselves like Isaiah is saying, with salvation. Just be reminded again that what Jesus has done is enough. Enough for us. And so we don't have to live in a world of condemnation any longer. We don't have to condemn ourselves and we do not have to condemn others for we are in Christ Jesus and so that lie has no room for us anymore. This, this is also built in the book of Colossians as different themes of what a heavenly closet and the heavenly clothes could look like are presented to that church. In Colossians 3, 12 uh, through 14, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. These are the clothes that may be hard to wear in this season. And we see uh, how the world is reacting to this season. And so I think, I know I can, and I'm sure I'm praying that many of you can just take a moment. And we're going to pray. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to just receive these clothes, to let God, by his grace, give you these clothes so that when you leave this place, that you will have what you need to be in the world in a way that looks different. There's an Anglican prayer that I love. It says this, in the tender mercy of our God, the day spring of on high shall break upon us to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so I'm going to invite you now, if you want to open your hands just in your seat or just take on a posture of openness, and I'm going to pray over you and may God through Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus clothe you with his clothes.
Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us and clothe us with compassion. Lord, that we wouldn't think only to our own needs, but that we would think of others. We would think of our neighbor and imagine what life is like for them and to have our heart break for the things that break your heart. Lord, I pray for kindness, that you would clothe us with kindness so that we would know how to be with one another, not giving up the truth, but knowing that the way in which we communicate the truth matters. Lord, I pray for humility. Would you clothe our church with humility, that we wouldn't strive to be the best or the strongest or the rightest so much as we would strive to serve and to care and to love sacrificially the people around us. And Lord, I pray that you would clothe us with gentleness, that people would know by our spirit that we are friends with you and that you have offered friendship to all people in all places. And so may we be the kinds of friends to one another that you are to us. And perhaps most of all, Lord, clothe us with patience. For this is a long season. And it is in our flesh to want to escape or change what we cannot change. And so as we wait on you, Lord, would you hold us, give us patience, and help us to be a patient people in this season. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and we'll sing one more song together.